All right, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me again for another episode of The Far Side at Midnight. I am here with Benini from Primordial Chaos. And hey, man, thanks for showing up. Welcome. No problem. No problem. And how, uh, where can we find you? So YouTube at Primordial Chaos. And you have any announcements uh, like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Primordial Chaos on YouTube is where mo most people are familiar with me. I've been on there for uh, several years now. Uh, and then uh, we're on social media, Instagram, Primordial Chaos 9. Uh, and then we're on Facebook uh, at Primordial Chaos. Those are the three main places you can find me. Nice. Very well. Very well, man. Cool. All right. So I wanted to kind of chat with you about obviously some uh, Luciferian topics, you know, kind of uh, clear it up. I mean, I've had some some guests on here recently that are practicing Luciferians. Um, I'm, I'm always into exploring myself and trying to trying to learn, learn more, man. The left hand path is deep. It goes yes. you know, like when, whenever you hit in the shadows, it just goes, it just cuts you in half. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but yeah, but I kind of wanted to, what I wanted to do first is kind of circle back into history, you know, because like, and the reason I want to, because this has kind of been on my mind lately, and that's been the topic of uh, the Nephilim, like the fallen ones, things like that. Like, because when, when you look at the Bible, when you look at like the book of Enoch, things like that, everything looks inverted, you know, yep. so I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we're just kind of saying like this whole um, spiritual thing is pretty much inverted. You know, everything that we've been taught um, about divinity and stuff is just kind of upside down. Though, So, um, yeah, so like, for, for someone that knows nothing about this, that may just know a little bit about um, the Nephilim, uh, mm -hmm. do you look at it more uh, symbolically or do you, like, is it like an ancient alien kind of thing? Like the ones that kind of made human beings, a demiurge? I know it's kind of a big subject, but... right. You know, Right. Uh, so let's look at this. When you mentioned Luciferian, here's the important thing to understand. There's different aspects of Luciferianism or those that practice mm -hmm. Luciferian practices. That's one thing we have to understand. And the first thing we have to establish is there is no one 100 percent foolproof correct way because uh, a lot of this is very subjective. So mm -hmm. you bring up the point. Is it some people look at this very literal? Somebody, some people look at it allegorical. For an example, just the concept of Lucifer amongst Luciferians is going to vary greatly. Um, you have some Luciferians that look at Lucifer just as a symbolic concept. They don't accept Lucifer as a specific deity. They don't look at it like, say, a monotheistic religious person would the monotheistic God. There are also some Luciferians who literally look at, at Lucifer as an entity. So it's, it's, it's when you're talking about these topics, we have to understand this varying degrees of perception of what we're talking about. Now, as far as the Nephilim, right, we, we're using a word when you go back into the Hebrew, we're using a word or a term that describes giants, right? Now, you can find that word first mentioned in the sixth chapter of Genesis, the fourth verse, right? It says there were giants in the earth in those days. And it talks about these Nephilim or giants coming down to earth and having sex with the daughters of men and producing children, right? So this is where they get the concept. There are some philosophies that teach these were the fallen ones because they correlate it. But you have to be careful because the history can be tricky. They'll correlate it to those who were cast out of the heavens in the book of revelations in the, in the seventh and the 12th chapter, when it talks about Lucifer was cast down to the earth. Some will say that's that 
those were those Nephilim or giants. And then these were the beings that when they descended here on the planet, they had sex with mortals and produced mm -hmm. these kind of half-breed uh, beings from another galaxy or dimension and half-human. So this is where you get some people have this concept of the fallen ones. So now, depending on your perception of this, as far as, as myself, mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in you can take any grimoire philosophy spiritual system and once you tap into your subjective consciousness or your subjective reality it can be as real to you as you want it to be the problem is when we force this reality on other people if we say uh i believe in a concept of the nephilim and the, or the fallen ones and if you're telling that to somebody who maybe hasn't really embraced that concept well what's going to ensue is probably a debate a disagreement and that's fine so as far as are we looking at this literal, are we looking at them as actual entities? And some do say you use the term alien and, and let's be real. Some do look at that, that study, the extraterrestrial UFO phenomenon. They trace that back to being part of our existence and how we got here. And then they say, well, you know, those some of us that are here now, this was our destiny. We we fell, quote unquote, from this falling and we're trying to ascend or work our way back up. So, I mean, it's just some of the concepts that are out there. There's more, but I think when we're talking, uh, even with the Demiurgs, uh, I'm careful with that too, because I think a lot of that's religious because I don't believe that there's archons out there that are preventing us and trying to keep us bound to the material realm, mm -hmm. you know, so we can't ascend because then we're back to religion thinking there's an external power that's, you know what I mean? That's greater than us. Yeah. yeah. I don't really embrace those concepts. I believe you're the master of your own world. You create your realities and you accept your truths and your falsehoods. So I might accept a concept that might be real to me, 100% reality to me, but it may not be real to you and vice versa. Yeah. And a real Luciferian understands not everybody's going to agree or be in, be in alignment with their ideology. So we that's one thing we have to embrace, the, the concept to agree to disagree. So... You know, just to throw some of those out there, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. You know, the agree to disagree. I mean, that's that's a part of our, mm -hmm. all of our development anyway. You know, I mean, there's so many different, because like, uh, one of the things I noticed about the occult, though, is that there's so many different sides to just one school of it. And it's kind of, you know what I mean? I mean, there are people, I mean, I have ran across in my uh, years of studying and occult philosophy magic all that stuff you know um i've come across people that are um like really religious with it you know like an example is i was i was a part of a i was once a part of a uh ceremonial magic group on facebook <laughs> and i got and I, and I got banned by this moderator for like using the word goetia in, in like a sentence i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me you know just like exactly. use like one word <laughs> just <laughs> see not to cut you off you bring up another no, good point. <laughs> ceremonial magic ritual magic we, we we have to understand the differences between those because people that practice quote unquote what we call ceremonial magic and i just want to be clear on how i say this i'm not saying all but like the order of the golden dawn people that practice these kind of kind of what i call gray side magic philosophies that's between it's not really completely light or earth or or wiccan or pagan magic and it's not really dark they kind of stay in that gray line in between so when yeah, you it yeah. just struck me when you were saying you were in this facebook group 
as uh, soon as you mentioned Goetia's, you know, they, they probably flipped out because they were probably more in that light and life and ascension and all that type of stuff. And that's cool. I'm not knocking people that. Yeah, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. People can do their yeah. thing and stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't like I, you know, but it was just one of those things. Just I was I, I was I thought that it would be free expression. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. But it turned out it turned it turned out to work against me at that moment. But it's cool, you know. Whatever. Yes, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, but uh, I was just saying, like, there's there's different sides to stuff, though, you know, because, um, like, I mean, if we're talking about one of the universal laws, which I hate to say law, but like uh, everything is mind, you know, it's mental, yeah. like a kind of so, like someone, like I heard you say in one of your videos once about uh, people doing rituals and like an entity could appear to them. You know, right. that's very personal for that person, but it just doesn't always it's have to the same way, though, you know, right. it's it's very subjective in nature. So what, what my whole point is when I say that, see, people take that first hermetic principle, all is mental, mental is all the universe is mental. Mm -hmm. Again, you have some people who look at it literally. Mm -hmm. You have some people who are kind of on the flip side of it. And then you have some people who bridge the gap between the objective and the subjective. Yeah. That's what those hermetic principles are for. So for an example, when you just mentioned that yeah. concept of, say you're doing a ritual, you're working with a spirit, a demon, or, or some type of archetype. And in that ritual or experience, you, you have a vision or a personification of that spirit. That is very real to you. The problem is if you call me the next day after you have it and go, hey, Beniti, I did this ritual last night with Bilal and I saw Bilal. And if I just co-sign on it and go, oh, yeah, man, I believe that. That's that, that's powerful, brother. But I didn't have that same realization. Mm -hmm. That's just that's that's not a reality. So when I when that when that principle is being taught, even people think there's no external aspect. There's some people who promote like, oh, nothing is real. See, I don't believe in that shit. Like, oh, nothing is real. Everything is an illusion. This world is completely... I always say, if that's the case, if this world's an illusion and nothing is real, then let me crack you dead in the center of your face and you won't feel it because this world is just an illusion. It's not a reality. So there's, see, that's when, that's when shit gets real because now people are like, wait a minute. No, I don't mean, no. Yeah. You can't, you can't play both sides of the fence. So there is an external aspect of it, but you make, you manifest that through your subjective consciousness. So even though it's happening externally, but it all begins and its point of origin is in the mind. Because think of this. I mean, you could have studied, uh, I've mentioned this many times over the years on the YouTube channel. You could be studying about a particular deity or even go back. I don't know if you were raised Christian or whatever the faith you came up with as a, as a child or whatever. But just think how they keep pounding, for an example, Jesus in our head or the concept of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's no different if you're reading the cult books and you're studying about Kali and you're looking at image. Guess what? You're storing in your mind. Yeah. You're storing all these visuals on what you're absorbing. You're you're literally creating the very aspect and image of this deity. You, you, don't, you don't realize it, but you're the God that's actually creating it. So now when you go into your ritual work and say you do some type of ritual with one of these spirits, demons or archetypes, and you say, I had a vision and I say, you know. I saw a Kali or I saw a Bilal, I saw this or that. And then if I ask you, well, what did it look like? You're going to give me a description based on everything your subconscious mind mm -hmm. absorbed. So you're, you're getting an image based on what you took in, because if you never laid an image, your eyes on an image in a book of any of those deities, what would they really look like? Mm -hmm. That's what you have to ask yourself the question. So that, that principle is centered around the concept 
though you do have external experiences in your work, there are like people say, you know, I've done ancestral work and I, you know, and I saw in the meditation, my grandmother came to me or I saw my, you know, deceased relative or whatever. It's no different. That stuff does happen. It's real. It's, there is an external aspect, but we have to understand it is very subjective in nature. We're not trying to say there are people out there that promote their subjective experiences and they want people as a whole to agree with it in totality. And that's just not a reality. That just doesn't work. It just doesn't happen like that. You know, so. Absolutism, you know, kind of making, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much I can say on that subject though. You know, like uh, both you and I uh, obviously come from uh, the Western traditions, basically like where we grew up in the United States and everything, which is like largely Mediterranean European influenced. Sure. Uh, to the point to where even ethics are tied to Christianity and Catholicism and things like that, though. So it's almost like we've uh, created like a like a like a like, like with the idea of like Satan. You know, this is like a, another huge subject that we can kind of deep dive. Right. On, you know, you know, like right. an egregore. You know, you take you, you know like a few verses in Hebrew, and all of a sudden it, it's it's an actual being <laughs> that people have made into like a god. <laughs> See, see, I'm real big on people. You don't need to be a linguistic scholar, but I've been saying for years, we should be very, you know, least, least do your research on the etymology of words, because yeah. like you use the term, all these are titles like Satanas just means adversary. So when we say we're on the adversarial path, but we work the adversarial current, the deep thing is when you go into the Bible, the title Satan was not exclusive to this character that they call Satan. Anybody that was an adverse, that title was given to prophets. That title was given to characters in the Bible. It's just a title. It's an attribute as far as what the word means in itself. So what happens is monotheism created this whole concept and assigned a character to it. Like if you were adverse to their dogma, you were Satan, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they gave it, they gave it this whole form, you know, the the red, you know, monster with the pit, you know, the horns and the pitchfork. And, yeah. and then now you, then you, you start combining the whole heaven and hell concept. Now we got a whole dogma of fear to keep people suppressed and mind control and indoctrinate them. Um, it's very important. I'm very big. I don't care if it's Greek. I don't care if it's Aramaic, Hebrew, Arabic. You should at least be very familiar with the etymology of some of these words, because some of the answers are in that. It's very they throw these terms at us. And it's, it's funny, I've realized over the years, a lot of people are just not familiar with the basic terminology and they get a lot of answers in that. But when you said that, it just triggered that, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's true though. Um, because like, it's, it's easy for a lot of people just to just accept, you know what I mean? Even the ones that have broken out, like, I, I don't know, I've talked to, I've spoken to uh, countless people um, and even just, just myself, you know, like just, break i mean i wasn't brought up strict christian or muslim i mean kind of my family's sort of like half and half it's kind of it's kind of like kind of complicated kind of complicated and i have a stepdad it's 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 kind of a complicated like situation for me really like growing up and stuff but um but it's still like um that desert tradition abrahamic you know it's still somewhat tied to that you know like most sure. people in the west and breaking out of that, you know, like I see this with new age people all the time, you know, they, they, they take one thing and replace it with something else, you know, Big time. I like, agree. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, instead of saying God, we know we're, we're just going to replace that with the universe instead, 
right or the enlightened ones yeah yeah yeah. something you know it just kind of switches so so like even even on like uh i mean i was checking out some other uh channels on youtube like recently when i was was, you know kind of going i mean you know i want to get some more real left-hand pathers on my channel and stuff uh and i'll just like type in something and then i'll hear dogma you know what i mean Mm -hmm. not all the time but but you will come across it it's like a very common thing and everything um yeah (laughs) now i've said this too on 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 that note real quick i've said this many times over the years we can sit here and and criticize right-hand path philosophers or dogmas religions but i i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna keep it real with you there are a lot of left-hand path occultists in my opinion that are very religious in nature i'm gonna keep it real for both sides and i I found out like i said again i'm not knocking nobody but i'm not gonna I'm, I'm going to, you know, speak what I, what I, what I feel. And I know not everybody's going to agree with everything anybody says, but I, uh, you know, like you got some left-hand pair people that walk around, you know, like hell, Satan and all that, that stuff is comical to me because to me, that's no, <laughs> really, I got to keep it real. It, it, it's really no different than, you know, if, if you have a problem, you know, with a religious person who has firm belief roots in, in the belief of Christianity and Jesus, it's no different. You know, but again, that's that person's right. And this is why I say there's different perspectives. And, you know, sometimes you have people out there, you hit it on the head. There's there's a lot of dogma sometimes encoded in this because when you when you pull away all the fluff on the surface and you get down to the core, I gotta be honest with you, there's a lot of people, groups, and philosophies out there that call themselves a cult and left-hand path, but when you strip away, this, there's no substance there. I mean, I'm also seeing now in, in a lot of conscious groups and circles, they're mixing like uh, Afrocentric spirituality, new ageism with, with the occult. And it's just like, eh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that. I believe if you really want to excel on this path and you really want to explore the abyss and, and the inner depths of your subconscious mind, you have to release all old paradigms. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And that's the reason why that's that's the perspective I come from. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I wholeheartedly agree, though. But um, kind of going back to like where we started, though, the, with the whole like inversion thing, like that's that's been probably one of the most intriguing for, for me personally. One of the most intriguing things about this path is that things right. are. I mean, it's and again, it's easy to for a lot of people, depending on how much uh, mind conditioning that they that they've had. Sure. Uh, but when you look at it, like it seems like it's kind of like a upside down. You know what I mean? Like you have like this authority figure here telling you to kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like a literal. I mean, I guess for some people, some a lot of most people probably believe in like a literal actual deity that's been kind of telling you not mm-hmm. to eat here, eat here, but don't eat there, and it's kind of. Yes. <laughs> it's it, it, you know you again you bring this. See, I always say sure. this path is an inward journey out, not an outward journey in. And people spend their whole lives searching for that external deity, that authoritative figure, as you described. Mm-hmm. And you hit it on the head. Some people leave, um, let's just say, a monotheistic path. I've watched people come in to get into heavy comedic Egyptian studies. And, you know, I've, I've run into many people over the years. They'll say uh, the most high raw, you know, st- foolish stuff like that shows me subconsciously yeah. that they're still mentally programmed. And indoctrinated. I mean, that's a that's a strong point where they just leave one system and think they're coming into something new, bigger and better. But really, you see, they bring over a lot of that old shit mm-hmm. subconsciously, like that authoritative figure that 
you know, like when you were talking about a few minutes ago with the new ageism, right? They'll, they'll say the uh, stuff like the eternal spirit or the great spirit of light and in terms like this and that. It's no different than when somebody's saying the heavenly father or the most high God or something in regards to that. And then we have to really question and ask ourselves, are we evolving and growing or are we just masking our insecurities and our fears? You understand? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, you got to be careful with that. So um, from your experience, you know, like, what do you what do you think is the best way for somebody to deprogram themselves for somebody to like, I'm talking about like in a hardcore way, let's, let's just let me give the example of, um, I don't know, like a, a Lutheran or Je Je Jehovah's Witness, I'm just trying to think of like real heavy programs, because those are because those those are really heavy programs, you know, if you look at like the doctrines that they have, uh, where, you know, you, you can't mm -hmm. get transfusions and just dangerous shit like that. So like, if, exactly. yeah. So exactly. like, uh, if you were, if you, if you were talking to somebody that uh, was from that background and they may mm -hmm. have, they may have read like, I don't know, the first thing that came to my mind, an Anton LaVey book. <laughs> oh, 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 I got you. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good point. Well, there's two, there's two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would be, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like how, how would they break out of that programming though? Go trying trying to get you know yeah in your opinion no no good question and yeah. there's there's a two step process to that there's an informational aspect and a knowledge aspect and then there's the literal work aspect okay. well step one is people like that and we're talking specifically uh you know let's just say that example you just used one we have to understand some of those people with with their mindsets have what we call tunnel vision so some of them is just you're not going to reach it's pointless. But let's just say we had one who was willing uh, to, you know, be open and, and really explore that one from a knowledge and an information perspective, they would have to be willing to do some research and scrutinize and question every aspect of that religion or dogma they belong to from the history, the origin, its practices and beliefs. They would have to be willing to understand to separate belief and faith from facts and reality. So they would have to do a comparative study like, all right, this, this, let's say Jehovah witnesses in this case, right? Most of them don't even know the history or origin of their organization. They don't realize that most of them are only familiar with their most uh, current or lastly going, going back to Joseph P. Rutherford, right? Who started the watchtower. That's not where the origin comes from. It was Charles Taz Russell who said, now, now, mind you, here's some crazy shit. Mind you, this is where actually Farrakhan got the concept for the Million Man March. They ain't going to tell you that, but I'm going to break it down for you. <laughs> Charles Taz Russell claimed he was the seventh angel of the Book of Revelations, and he predicted the end of the world multiple times and was wrong, by the way. Okay. And he gathered a, a, a huge amount of people in D.C., um, for this great announcement of who he claimed he was to be. Now, Charles Taz Russell, when you go back and do the research on him and Jehovah Witness who claim to be very Bible-based, what does the Bible say about people who make false prophecies and predictions? You should stone them and kill them. He did it several times and they did nothing to him, okay? So you, a Jehovah Witness would have to look at, first and foremost, what is the origin of their, of their group or their religion based on? So right out the gate, it starts on a foundation of nonsense, right? And then it goes later on after he passed on, then Joseph P. Rutherford, who most are familiar with, 
he was the one that started the Watchtower. And, and most of them trace uh, uh, their origin back to him. And they're wrong because it goes even further back. But he also had roots in the Klan. So you got Ku Klux Klan roots. You got racism. And then you got all these ridiculous concepts that follow after. Like you have like blood transfusions. They don't celebrate birthdays. They don't celebrate holidays. Yeah. You know, you would have to really ask yourself, if, they, if, they, if we're talking about a person, how would they deprogram themselves? They would have to be willing to go and scrutinize and really look and put aside. See, here's where the problem comes with somebody like that. Are you willing to put aside your personal faith? Because when you're dealing with information, you have to be willing to put that aside. Because what's going to happen is a lot of that information is going to challenge your personal faith and put it into question. Yeah. So one, if they're not willing to do that, it's not going to work. That's step one. Now, let's just say they get past that and they go, okay, I, I see that part. I do see there's some inconsistencies in there and I'm willing to learn and I want to move past this. The next step is what I always tell people on this path. I don't care what background you come from, what philosophy, dogma or religion, shadow work is where everybody should start. Uncovering the hidden right. self, understanding every aspect of yourself, good and bad, more so the bad things that maybe have created psychological trauma or have impacted you going back to as a small child to the present day, because those traumas or those things that have affected you have shaped who you are, good and bad. Now there's good trauma too, because there's good moments in your life that brought happiness, joy, and, and moments of, of elation and, 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 and pure bliss and love. And then there's some things you can reflect back. You might have mommy, daddy issues. You might have, anger management issues. Maybe, you know, you're an introvert because you were picked on and bullied. And maybe you ran into these religions because it was escape. A lot of people run into them religions because it's escape from something they run into. They don't want to admit that to themselves, but they, it, it usually covers up and masks and insecurity of fear and anxiety. So that's the true way to really get started on this path and master yourself. Are you willing to do shadow work and cover the hidden self? And that the shadow self or the hidden self is just a term, an aspect of ourself that we pretty much try to avoid our entire lives. And I'm, I'm a firm promoter, and it's just me, and I, and, and I can attest to this from my own experience and not just my experience, from many people I've worked with and dealt with over the years, elders, colleagues, you know, just friends. I'm telling you, if you start with shadow work, regardless of what your perception or approach to the occult left-hand path is, if you, I, I'm big on promoting three steps. If you, if you do shadow work, demonic integration, I mean, we could talk about that. that that's a whole nother process. And connecting with your ancestral, not from, not from a traditional aspect. We don't worship our ancestors, but we do connect with them, bloodline, venerate, and merge with the understanding of who they are and who we are. All of those things are important to understand yourself because your ancestry, when you really understand, and if you have the ability to trace it back, that it gives you a really good telltale sign of why you are the way you are. Maybe it identifies certain behaviors. I've known people, uh, they didn't understand why they like some crazy food and they did DNA ancestry tests and found out they, they might have had that. Uh, uh, ethnicity in their bloodline going back and they didn't know it and they like a food from a certain ethnicity and they just can never figure it out. So it could give you clues, you know, understandings. But my whole point is shadow work is the best place to start if you've passed that first process of being willing to do the research. And it's the same thing. It's no different. That would apply to, say, if you were Catholic, if you were Muslim, if you were Buddhist, uh, if you were Rastafarian, are you willing 
to, to really put that belief system through the fire and test it. And if you're willing to do that, and if you're really going to see the reality, you'll see, I hate to say it, but I got to keep it real. A lot of that's rooted in just dumb shit. And if somebody's got to be willing, yeah, they got to be willing to, to, to admit to that. Look, we all come from, look, we all came from different backgrounds. And even before I got on the occult, prior to being in the occult, I mean, I went through the whole, you know, comedic Egyptian thing back in the, you know, early 90s, you know, uh, the Moorish thing, a lot of those conscious movements. Yeah, yeah. And I really thought at that time that, oh, I had stumbled across the absolute truth. And a lot of that stuff was put to the test. And I had to, I had to come to grips and say, you know what? There's some bullshit I'm doing. But it's bullshit, this- man. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not yeah. an easy, it's not an easy process. And most most people, I think, aren't really willing to do that. They kind of will go halfway. I agree. You know, I agree. It's, it's tough. It's t- it's tough to uh, like nobody likes being wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know everything. Part of the reason why I I even do this podcast project is so I can learn and as well as my work changes and grows my what i'm studying grows you know so it's just but it's a it's a great question but look you 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 hit it you hit it on the head you know a lot of people are not willing to do it and this is why you hear me say many times over the years this is what i mean when i say this path isn't for everybody that's why i say it because not everybody is willing to do that some and you know why they're not willing to do it because how many times can you attest to it could be a family member a friend say they're religious and I'm sure you've gotten into some interesting conversations over the years. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it gets personal and the, and the anger. And sometimes when it goes to that angry debate level, that's because you struck a nerve that challenged the very fabric and foundation of their right. belief system. So that's when they get competitive and they want to yeah. debate you and they get heated. And, you know, I've had people tell me shit, I'll pray for you. That makes me laugh my ass off. I'll pray for you. You need to be saved. Oh, you so you just don't understand. You're not in the blood of Christ. And see, that's where it just goes. Now it goes from just being mature adults and dialogue into just complete foolishness and, and, and nonsense. So it, yeah, it starts there. Not everybody, you hit it on the head. Not everybody's willing to do that. And that's what I was saying earlier when you brought up Lucifer, or a real Luciferian understands that we we can accept and embrace that there's going to be people who have ideologies that are completely opposite uh, to what we might embrace because real Luciferian is a is a path of what we call apotheosis, self deification. That's what it is. It's a real Luciferian believes that they are God in the sense that when we. When, when religious people here say that, oh, you're God, we don't mean God, the old man sitting in the sky on the throne, right. not yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We, we mean God in the sense that we are responsible. We take responsibility for our actions and we take control of the destiny of the path we choose. So we don't believe that there's this outside entity outside of us that's like a puppet master. He's keeping scorecards. Okay, that was a good deed. This is a bad deed. And then when you die, you're going to have, it's going to look at the scorecard. Okay, you did more good than bad, you're going up. Oh, you did bad, more bad than good, you're going down. And by the way, they got that from the weighing of the heart ceremony in ancient Egypt, if you go back, it's where they stole it from. A lot of the Bible yeah. comes from that, yeah. yeah. All that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, I mean, that's really my perspective of Luciferianism and what I practice as far as what people label being a Luciferian would be what we call apotheosis, self-deification, a path of self mastery. I'm not looking for anybody to do anything for me. I don't sit around waiting for some God or external spirit that's going to 
come and intervene and fix all my problems. I just, that's not a reality. Right. Uh, I believe you have to get off your ass and do it for yourself. That's what a real path of a Luciferian or, or apotheosis really represents. Mm -hmm. You have to take, you know, control. I mean, even the term Lucifer itself, which is a Greek word, means light bearer, right? A real Luciferian knows light bearer and the light that Lucifer bears or what it represents is the intellect. And the intellect that one seeks, must you must go into the darkness to get that intellect, right? Because now you can tie, Luciferianism can even be connected to some forms of masonry because now when you go into in masonry, you know, that, that, that quote in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended that not, like Christians will say that's Jesus, not to an occultist. That light that shines in the darkness is the intellect. And one must take on the mask of the light bearer or Lucifer and go into the darkness. You can't have true light, knowledge, or intellect if you don't come from the darkness first. See, that's what a lot of religious people fail to understand. And, and as I've said many times before, darkness is not a bad thing because in their Bible, in the first chapter of Genesis, before he said, let there be light, well, it's, it's confirmation. He yeah. existed in darkness. So what is darkness? That's the next question. So these are the things people have to be willing, who come from that perspective, right. have to be willing to address. And most of them are not. They want to argue with you. Oh, that's blasphemous. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I mean, I mean, Yahweh, Yahweh even has darkness in his name. Big time. You know? Exactly. But like, I mean, I didn't know that for a long time. But you know what it translates to? In the, in the Hebrew, Yah and Way. First of all, look, you have to understand this. Yahweh is a corrupted name of the original name in Aramaic, Yahuwah. There's no, there's no such name as Yahweh or Jehovah. One, Jehovah is a corrupted name because there's no letter J in the Hebrew alphabet. Right, yeah. So this was a poor translation in English. Yahweh comes from the Yah Yahuwah, which means, oh, he who is who he is, right? And then they have this terminology. A lot of the ancient Jews... There was a debate about this, like they say, well, they couldn't come to the conclusion on what was the name. So then they just referred to him as Hashem, the name, right? You'll hear, you'll hear a lot of the Orthodox Jews refer to the creator as Hashem, the name, because they could never come to full agreement of what was the creator's name. You know what I say? Mm -hmm. Nobody would be able to know the creator's name. You want to know why? If your name is Roderick, right? Mm -hmm. So if I go Roderick, you stop for a split second. Mm -hmm. I commanded your attention. Think about this for a minute. So if we knew the name of the creator, according to religious theology, life would cease to exist because for that very moment, think about the foolishness, call upon the name of God. If God, according to their Bible, stopped for one moment and focused his attention on you, everything else in existence would stop and cease to exist. Nobody looks at it like that. <laughs> so it's impossible, according to religious theology, to know the true name <laughs> of the creator because if he's omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient, how in the world can he stop and focus on one individual? So now this concept of praying now be, is put into question. But I mean, shit, it opens a worm, a can of worms to a bunch of things. But you, I'm just, I'm giving an example. These are concepts people would have to question themselves. And some will go, oh, that sounds crazy. What the fuck are you talking about? No, th this is how you get to the root of the matter to show how yeah. foolish these religions are. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the next thing I wanted to ask you is, um, demonic integration because uh -huh. here we are again like we've just kind of reached another problem with like a lot of people because when you say uh demon which comes from the word daemon they, right. they automatically think of something like negative important. Important, kind of hippish mm -hmm. kind of thing that wants to like rip your body apart or 
some shit like horror film, you know, so like, uh, so when you say, if you were to say like demonic integration, I mean, I'm sure people listening right now or or will be hearing this. I mean, we'll be like, oh, I don't know. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But the key is in what you just said in the beginning. There's a difference between daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N. And this is why I was saying again in the beginning, we need to understand the etymology and some of the phonetics of these words because they've played. English is a very confusing language, a very. Very I mean, forget it. They've taken so much stuff. And it's the people don't understand it's the youngest language on the planet. And even when you just study English, if you even open a dictionary, every word we have in English is from the old French, the old Latin, the old Greek, German. Wherever it colonized, it it went around and sort of just uh, (laughs) my hobby is studying languages. I I do I do it for fun, you know, like learn different languages stuff. And like, uh, yeah, English is one of those languages that just kind of went around and sort exactly. of, I don't want to say whores yes. with other cultures, but it kind of did. No, 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 no. call for what it is. It, 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 it's the reality. It's yeah. the reality. But we need to understand the word daemon mm-hmm. and demon are two different things. So this is why if people don't take the time to pause and listen to what we're saying. Because see, there's the programming. Because immediately their mind goes to demon, exorcist, horror movies. And like you said, all this horrific, that's not what we're talking about. So for everybody listening that might be new, and if, you, if your blood pressure got boiled, and let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's bring it down because that's not what we're talking about. Now, you can look this up. And, and as I said, tell everybody, go to Wikipedia, as I call it, because that's everybody's <laughs> scholar. Everybody, everybody's internet scholars these days, you know. Yeah, if you go on the Wikipedia, yeah, yeah, it'll tell you. And I'll just give you the basic breakdown. I'll just give you the kindergarten breakdown, real simple. It's a Greek word. And the Greeks referred to the higher aspect. And I had a guy from Greece that watches my channel send me a whole breakdown of this. Mm-hmm. And he br- and it's a very sacred word in the Greek culture. And it goes a little beyond the basic meaning I'm going to give you. But to give people the simplistic meaning, uh, it was referred to the, the genius or higher aspect of themselves. And you also see the term, for an example, in Michael W. Ford's book, who a lot of people I'm sure are familiar with some of his books, um, He'll even use the term from the old Greek agathodamon, right? It's really the same thing. It represented the genius, the higher intelligence, the real you, the higher self. That's what demonic integration focuses on, stripping away all the illusionary aspect of ourselves that we built up over the years from the time we were a child, right? We all have this fake persona we've been carrying for years, right? Who we want people to see us as, right? Who we think people should see us as. And as we're doing this, the real true self can't emerge because we're suppressing it with the illusionary self. So the, the, in, in Greek culture and even in Hermeticism, they believed when you, in, if we use the concept of the philosopher's stone in alchemy, that whole precept is based on making yourself less dense, speeding up your vibrational frequency, removing those things in your life internally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and once an individual makes themselves less dense, their frequency and their vibration is, 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 is at the right frequency and tone and vibration that they can connect with these, quote unquote, I'm using basic terms, consciousness or spiritual energies, awareness, the psyche is open. That's when the ancient Greeks believed that they were connected to their genius self or hired real self. And really, that's connected to this whole Luciferian concept of apotheosis, self-mastery. So that's what demonic integration is. It isn't 
going into these episodes of demons possessing your body, like you said, and ripping you, you know, apart. Because do the breakdown. Now, the demon word, let's address this. So where does that word come from? D-E-M-O-N, which is different from what we're talking about. When the Abrahamic faiths come on now, that doesn't come till after monotheism was established because they took that word, right? And they misinterpreted it from some of them teachings and they came up with these legions and spirits and, and they didn't understand what, how, how it was being taught and how it was being taught in a lot of those writings that predate religion. They took it to mean when they said uh, higher aspects of yourself, some connected to different ways of connecting with the spirit world. They automatically said, oh, they're talking about spirit possession and demons. And now we get the concept of demons and possession and, and all this other crazy shit. So, yeah, let's just make sure that's clear for newer listeners. When we're talking about demonic integration, whether you understand it or not, agree with it or not, I just want to make that clear. We're not talking about demons. Like horror movies, we're talking about daemon, that the self-rooted aspect of who you really are. That's what demonic integration is. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. People need that for sure because, um, I mean, let's face it, like most of us are deeply programmed to hear that. You know, if you spend any time in church, you know, you will, every once in a while you'll hear like the pastor or preacher or somebody say something about jesus ca ca uh, casting demons out of people so that that's that means that that's the opposite demons are opposite of angel angels are servants you know like we get our servants of god and then you have demons who are the other ones it's it just like we're used to living in duality mainly you know oh, yeah Two different oh yeah and 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 again again we got a, the, the the etymology and meaning of the words the word angel comes from the greek word angelos just means messengers mm -hmm. right there were many there were many messages and <laughs> And Jesus cast demons at his. This is one thing I always say to Christians, right? When they want to get a little spooky with that. What did he cast demons into? The swine, right? So why do Christians eat pigs if their savior cast <laughs> demons? Right? I always just throw that at them because they never stop and thought about it. And they go, wow, I never looked at it like that. But why? So if I'm just saying, if you're so pro-Jesus and you're really deeply rooted in your belief, your savior telling you what he thought of swine or pigs. Now, I don't care. Look, I don't care what you eat. It's personal. I, I, I eat everything. I don't, I'm not on that because people have turned veganism into a religion, but that's a whole nother story. But my whole, my whole point is it's very, they, they can be very hypocritical and contradictory and don't see it. They don't even see it. That's my whole point. Right. right. So, yeah. But yeah. So my, see, I look, that's my way of thinking. If you talk uh -huh. about demons, you go, well, Jesus did this and demons said this. So I would see my way of thinking is I say, well, he cast demons. Yeah, he did. And what was one of the main things in them stories he cast demons into? Swine. And yeah. what did the swine do? They jumped off a cliff and killed cliff. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So that's what yeah. I'm getting at. That's my whole point. Yeah, it's good to yeah. question. It's difficult for a lot of people to do that, though. Um, Must all right. question. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up, though. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people um, don't know. You know, because we're used to horror film. I know, and I like horror movies, man. I'll be honest, I do. I like I watch horror movies probably way more than I need to. But um, yeah, but a lot. Yeah, of I love horror. I love I love horror movies too. Very entertaining. But you just yeah. don't know. You just describe the occult. That's all occult means in Greek. The hidden. Yeah. Right, you right. know. So if you if you want to come on the path of the occult, you have to uncover this hidden or unknown knowledge. But yeah. Yeah. 
So going back to the okay, so we just we just kind of we just touched on uh, demonic demonic or demonic integration. What about uh, because like you know like a lot of practitioners that uh, I've ran across, some I've met personally, man, they 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 form relationships or they talk about forming relationships with like say Leviathan or Blau things things like that. Though, is it, would you consider that demonic integration too, or is that like? Yes, yes, because I'll tell you why. See, once you connect with your demonic self or your higher or true self, look at it as that's the facilitator that connects you to the archetypes, your ancestors, okay. the spirit world, demons, goddesses, gods, whatever you label them. I always, this is the best way I describe it. Look at a car, right? And you remember the old cars? And I know new cars are a little different. Remember the old cars? Uh, they have a distributor cap and remember how, I don't know if remember, I don't, I don't know how old you are, but back yeah, in the day, I remember, yeah, we used to, yeah. Yeah, we used to do our own tune-ups before these new yeah. cars came out, mm-hmm. but the distributor cap had to be functioning right or the plugs didn't get the right charge, right? Yeah. Just using a metaphor, mm-hmm. well, look at the demonic self is it's that foundation that facilitates all aspects of the spirit world. That's the best way I can describe it. It's it's it if, if that distributor cap that gives the spark to those plugs isn't right, then you're not making that spiritual connection. So, as far as your question, why I say working with Bilal or establishing relationships with Leviathan, that all comes from the higher self and the psyche and your consciousness and a certain level of awareness being opened and being heightened. So yes, I, I I have no problem with people that do spiritual work and establish connections with those energies. And I don't care how it is, is there subjective aspects to it? Like we said earlier, like some, again, if it's Bilal, they, you know, they have these experiences, whether it's in, it, whether it's in visualization work, dream work, ritual work, um, it's an experience. It's real to them. And this is what opens you up. You got to realize this, see, this is the other problem. Then you have a lot of people out there uh, who are super, I, go, I call them super conscious fact checking people, right? Because there's a term out there you'll hear in a lot of these conscious movements pseudo right mm-hmm. and i keep telling people spiritual experiences there's not going to always be a source a book a reference an author that you're going to be able to validate it so people that don't understand that they're going to quickly label some of the stuff we're talking about as not factual and pseudo because this is why i say this is where it's up to the magician the black adept the luciferian practitioner whatever you want to call him he or her this is where they have to bridge the reality and the harmony between their objective consciousness, their everyday reality, and their subjective consciousness. And one thing I've learned, see, I'm not interested in any more improving shit to anybody because it's not about that no more. If it's about understanding your place in all of this, if you're doing this stuff and you're getting results and you're getting work and it's transforming your life, that's all you need to know. Yeah, are there going to be people that oppose you? Yeah, but I'm at a stage in my path now when I was younger, yeah, you know, you're more fiery, you want to get in the mix. I, I've looked for debates and arguments. I'm not going to lie to you. But now I just, I don't give a shit. I mean, if you don't agree with it, you're, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. But all I know is that what I do is real. It's a reality to me because it produces results. And that's the only person I got to convince is myself. Now, there's going to be others that might have similar experiences like me and can relate to a degree and then there's going to be others who'll be like oh man you're out of your fucking mind man you're crazy you don't know what the hell you're talking about but you got to also have tough skin to be on this path because there's going to be a lot of things that fall in this category that we're talking about now that you bring up 
And that's a good question. So I have no problem if people use that establishing a relationship with Leviathan, Bilal. And I, in my opinion, in my experience, I definitely say that's connected to demonic integration work. Um, that's just how I've worked the path. I found that it's going to open you up to all those things, even working with the clip hop or uh, working with other grimoires. You start to get motivated and you start to say, why all of a sudden do I have this desire and current uh, and, and deep interest to start working this path or all of a sudden out of the blue i have this 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 intense interest in this that's because you've awakened the higher self see that's that's how see that also come if you don't do the shadow work first it, it doesn't come trust me when i tell you mm -hmm. so all of it really piggybacks off each other you know shadow work connecting with your bloodline ancestors and demonic integration i call that the three foundational pillars on this path and this is how I teach people that work with me. By the way, one thing I wanted to throw out there, I didn't, uh, there's also a Patreon page. I just wanted to throw that out there. Forgot to mention that in the beginning. That's where I do private classes, private videos, like it's nothing on YouTube. It's all, it's only for Patreon members only. And that, that's patreon.com forward slash Beniti, B-A-N-I-T-I. -I. I forgot to throw that out there. No worries. Um, we're gonna throw a like yes, throw, throw it back in the end too, man. At the end of this, before I leave, I remind. Yeah, but but no, you you ask a good question. So yes, I know that was a little probably long winded, but I do agree. Okay. I have no problem. I do think, in my own experience, that is connected to demonic integration work for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right on. Yeah. Because um, yeah, because it's something that like I mean, when you, when people talk about and uh, magic and the occult, when they talk about demonic entities. There's a million different cans of worms to go with that. You know, some people don't don't even go near that. They only work with like angelic beings. And then there's some who, who claim to do both. And then there's some who only work with like one or two goetic spirits. And then there's some who only, I mean. <laughs> See, that's that, that's that fluff stuff I'm talking about. Like that banishing, that high magic. Look, I'm not knocking anybody that does it. I just, I just don't fuck with it. First of all, I don't believe in. Have you ever network. have you ever tried it? Uh, well, back in the day, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I'm initiated in Order Templi Orientis, and, oh, and okay. they use yeah, okay. lesser banishing ritual to pentagram. That yeah. was one school I went. With. Just 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 to give a brief background, and maybe I should have did that in the beginning. Prior paths I went through before I came, if one would classify uh, on my own path and 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 where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I come from a background first as a, as a young child, left early, was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, I was more attracted to the ritual aspect of Catholicism. But then as I hit about 13, then I just started to see the bullshit. Um, <laughs> for a few years, I was searching as a young teenager. Then I, then I got heavily, I was, I was into Sufism and Islam. I even took my Shahada years ago, back oh. in the late 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Went yeah. through the Islamic movement for a few years. I thought that was my path. Outgrew that. Then I got heavy, heavily into Babylonian and Egyptian. I was fascinated with Egypt. I went through that in the early to mid nineties. I was heavily into the whole comedic thing. And then, then I got into the Moorish movement. Um, and five percent nation was one of my foundations. Oh black conscious stuff. I went through that stuff and then I felt like, all right, this is not where it is. Uh, and then finally, before I got hardcore in the occult, I started to come across uh, the Rosh Rosicrucian order in the late yeah. 90s. Okay. So I'm a 12th degree Rosicrucian. I went through the whole order. Oh, wow. Yeah. And initiated in the temple. Um, and I got I come from the branch San Jose, the, the main one uh, where the Grand Lodge is in San Jose. Yeah. Um, I'm still active. I don't go all the time, but my membership is active. 
Um, and you'll be surprised how many people you would never know. Just ordinary people you might run into the supermarket. They're very discreet. And, and basically the Rosicrucian order is an, is an Illuminati or Illuminatus order. Yes, you, yes. you learn that when you go through the temple degrees. It's a mystery. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I went through that for about eight years. I stayed hard on that. Um, then I still felt like there was more. And a few years back, I came across OTO and I, I got into the Crowley movement thing. And I said, oh, this is cool. But then I started to, <laughs> after going through my degrees and getting initiated, I started to realize, all right, there's, you know, you got people from all backgrounds and there are a lot of Wiccan people, witches, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's cool, but it was very new agey to me. They do incorporate a cult, like even in the Gnostic mass, I mean, they yeah. mentioned Baphomet. There's a they whole- do. Yeah. I've been to the Gnostic mass a few times. So, yeah. Gnostic, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it was cool. I met some, met some good people, but then I said, man, it's still more. So then back in 14, 15, I came across the temple of set. So I came across Don Webb. I actually spoke with him and, uh, you know, read some of his books. So then I went into the temple of set, got raised to an adept. I stayed in there for three years and then had a big falling out with them. Uh, believe it or not over my YouTube channel, go figure uh they were yeah 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 you I mean just 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 fuckery and bullshit they had a problem with some of the stuff on my youtube channel and the high priests they yeah. wanted to uh i did a video on this about a year ago explaining all this um and i only talked about it once because i didn't even want to waste any more time on it um they basically wanted to uh give me this hearing because the high priest didn't like some of the stuff i was saying on my channel uh when i was talking about the relationship to working with blood and the occult because they don't believe in that and they they were saying i was making false statements that you have to work with blood and that's not true i never said that and you don't have to it's optional i simply said in some paths it, it people do it that's a reality i'm not it is what it is mm-hmm. well long story short i voluntarily resigned in uh june of 2019 i i just walked away from it i gave my letter of resignation um and i thought that would be a path that I could pursue. And then I just came to the realization. I said, you know what? I'm done. No more groups, no more Mickey Mouse clubs, no more. I don't want to be part of none of that shit anymore. So I am just to put out there, I don't talk about it a lot, but I am a high priest in the temple of the ascendant flame. And the only reason why I am affiliated with the temple of the ascendant flame is because they give you the liberty and freedom to pursue your own interests and path. It doesn't interfere. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, Temple of Ascending Flame, the Draconian one, uh, Azanoth Mason and whatnot, right? Correct. Okay, Correct. Cool. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I like I that. Consider, yeah, yeah, I consider myself, if you had to classify to the point to get an understanding, uh, yes, that would probably be my foundation, Draconian magic. I'm, I'm very big on that. Okay, yeah. So, yes, just yeah. want to throw that out I there. Like the, I like their work. I've, I've been, like, looking into, yeah. To, like, the, yeah, <laughs> stuff. yeah, they have some really deep, deep stuff, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just hardcore. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's intense, but it's very powerful, transforming work. Right, if you're yeah. willing to do it, 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 believe me, I can tell you, I got more out of that in the last two and a half years than probably I've done other paths in the last 15, 20 years, literally. And they're relatively new too. They're not, they, they haven't really been uh, organized that long. If they, from what well, I here's mean. the thing. If you understand their foundation, they're not the really foundation's new. Not, not new. Yeah. Asenath Mason right. took it over from the prior founder that goes back quite a bit. So yes, it is new in the sense that it was revitalized. You're correct. It was, yeah. Yeah. it was revitalized. They kept the traditions and the teachings alive 
Um, and the kind of the torch was kind of passed on to a to a new, uh, you know, leadership. But again, I want to say this. It's not it's not like most of these groups where there's this authoritative leadership. Your your freedom is never suppressed. See, a lot of these groups that claim to be a cult left hand path and it's not to knock them. They claim, oh, this is about you, you know, developing your own path to mastery. But as soon as you go against any of their principles or have your own difference of opinion, then it's a problem. And that's what I ran into in the temple of set soon as because I didn't agree with everything. Like, for an example, I always I thought the temple of set looked at Michael Aquino as like some prophet savior figure. And the reason why I say that, and I don't know if most people know, he passed away last year, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, the, I, I had a problem because if you look at the story of Michael Aquino, his story is very similar. It's almost like he copied it from Aleister Crowley when you really look at it. Yeah, because if, if people don't know what I'm talking about. And I know this is going to piss a lot of Temple of Set members off, but I don't give a shit because it, it is what it is. No, I got to keep it real with you. I don't. This is all about keeping it real here. So go for it. Right. Now, Michael Aquino, if you're not familiar with him, he, he was basically Anton LaVey's main right-hand man that assisted building the, you know, the Church of Satan. Right. Um, he, this is his story. Now, I'm quoting what he's said that he's, he has said in his books and how, he, how the Temple of Set uh, breaks down their beginnings and origins. He claims that he got to a point in the early to mid seventies that he just felt he didn't like the route the church of Satan was going. He felt like it was becoming commercialized. He felt like they were just kind of, you know, giving the teachings to anybody that was willing to pay for it. So there was a difference of opinion. So he claims that he received this divine message from the Egyptian God set who in this revelation was the real prince of darkness. He claimed he received this writing called the coming forth by night and that he was instructed to branch off from the church of Satan and form the temple of set in 1975. So this is how we have how the temple of set broke off from the church of Satan. Okay, cool. Sounds good. But when I researched, I said, wait a minute, that sounds very similar to the story of Alistair Crowley and OS. It just, if you know the story of that Crowley claims he was in Egypt Right. And while he was in Egypt, he connected with this being called Alois, who gave him the book of the law, uh, the book of law. Yeah. And it was just if you read if you read both and the experiences. And so this is where I got into a heated debate one time with members of my local chapter at the time here in the temple. I said, so, so let me ask you a question. What if I wake up tomorrow and I got attacked for saying this and I said I had this divine revelation and a being came to me and said, I am this aspect of Lucifer and I want you to branch off from the temple of set tomorrow and start the, uh, the international temple of Lucifer. Is everybody, should everybody just follow me? My whole point in saying that was, why is everybody co-signing on a subjective experience? Now I'm not saying that Michael Aquino didn't have that experience. And let me say this, Michael Aquino, uh, I have, you know, uh, uh, different aspects of perspective. on. I think he's a very, obviously a very smart, intelligent man. He wrote a lot of great books. I do sometimes think he over intellectualized shit. And I got criticized for saying that because I think in the language in his books, because I know he's a very highly educated man and he uses a lot of big words. And if you're reading some of his work, it can be a little overwhelming to some. It's not overwhelming to me. I just think it's over intellectualized in my opinion. But my whole point was, why should we, uh, it's a subjective, I believe he had that experience, no doubt, and he's confident he did. But I, I, the problem I ran into, and this goes back to a lot of stuff we were saying in the beginning of the show, 
I, I had no problem with it in the sense if that's what you wanted to accept, that's fine. But don't get mad at somebody. I just wasn't co-signing on that. I'm like, okay, that's cool and everything. But I didn't have that experience. I don't know for sure that that happened to Michael Aquino. Um, so I, I, I accept anything that anybody presents that I can embrace as, as, as that I've come to the realization that it's fact. But if I can't, I just got to I got to blow it off as that's a personal subjective experience that that person had. So my whole point was in that debate was I just found his his story was eerily similar to Alistair Crowley. And that kind of it just didn't sit well with me. I just said, nah, something's not right here. Uh, and as well, like 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 reading about it, about him and everything. Mm -hmm. I, was like, I was like, and then like uh, I haven't. I haven't really read his books, but I've read like parts of them a little bit. And um, just like it's, and he does have similar meters to Quoty uh, Crowley when he writes, you know, yeah. like that, like that sort of language, a very, um, very elaborate type of tongue that, that he writes in, you know? I agree. Yeah. And I, I yeah. would kind of get turned off by it when I would read it. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of it would just, I'd be like, it's just too much, man, with these big, you know, and, 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 and the person that's not really like, connected you, you you can you can really get sucked in and go wow this is some really deep heavy shit and i would go no some cool stuff but i mean you know some of it to me i just thought was it was it was great it was grabbing it was trying to reach for something you know deeper that it really was and i find like one of the best temple of set authors is don webb that's actually what inspired me to even pursue interest in the temple of set um his book overthrowing the old gods i would recommend that book because he really goes through, he breaks down, he, he, he touches on Thelema and Crowley from an occult left-hand path perspective. I have a lot of respect for Don Webb. Mm -hmm. um, Seven Faces of Darkness, another good book. I just got, he just put out a new vamp uh, vampirism, vampire book. And he deals with it from a spiritual perspective, not all that traditional gothic vampirism stuff, which <laughs> I'm not really into that. That's cool if that's your thing. Yeah, I'm not, gonna, right. not into that. Um, but my whole thing is, as far as I think he, from that, you know, from that organization, I think he's the best author uh, that comes from that, in my opinion, that lineage. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, my, my, my whole point was that that was, I, I know we, we were kind of going through a whole history. I just wanted to throw my background out there. I don't want to spend too, I mean, we could be here forever talking about it, but just so people can understand where I'm coming from. I'm not coming from I'm not just some guy that picked up some books, read a few books and think I know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm, I just want to make people understand that this is coming from over 20 years experience from different experiences, different backgrounds. And that's one of the reasons why I started the YouTube channel. And if you if you've watched the channel, you always hear me say, look, I'm not trying to recruit nobody. I don't want nobody following me. I just want to put information out there to motivate and spark people to do their research. Now, whether you love me, like me, hate me, agree, disagree, I, I really don't care. If I could even, even if you disagree, at least I sparked an interest in you to at least look into it to some level. Mm -hmm. So I just want to just put that out there. That's the perspective I'm coming from, which got me to where I'm at now. I don't affiliate technically, even though I'm, uh, I'm an active member, let's say, in the Temple of Set. I'm sorry, in the Temple of the Ascendant Flame. Uh, I don't really categorize or affiliate myself with anything or anybody exclusively. I do align with their teachings. And also, you know, I was raised up, man, went through the Masonic Lodge, I went Master Mason, Shriner, went up to 32nd degree in Scottish Rite. I went through all of those things because I felt like I was searching and, and, and I was initiated as a Mason back in 1998, still active with my lodge here. My brother-in-law is a Mason. 
again, I don't go to these things regularly anymore. I just keep my memberships current uh, because it gives me avenues to dial. And you'll be surprised. There's a lot of people in the occult on the down low in the Masonic Lodge. I can tell you that shit from experience. <laughs> a lot of people on the down low who really, uh, and I don't even want to get into the Albert Pike thing. I don't know if you're familiar with Albert Pike and Masonry. You might be. Um, a lot of people connect, uh, you know, Luciferianism and Masonic uh, uh, tradition. Uh, they say Pike was a devil worshiper and all this shit because they don't understand it. But but anyway, I just want to throw that. So, yeah, I've gone through the Masonic thing, the Rosicrucian, the whole nine, because I felt like I had to do these things because I was searching at those moments. But it all led me to where I'm at now. And now I'm on my own path. I, again, even though, again, I might study certain spiritual systems, but I don't classify or group myself exclusive to any of them. So very okay. important. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Stars and stripes, man. You got <laughs> got to earn it been around man <laughs> and yeah. a lot i like i like this I, I like that we got there though because like i started when you with you saying something about banishing you're like ah i said banishing shit. <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> let's get back to that well oh, i first in, first encountered that years ago like in a lot of rituals we did in my oto lodge they opened with that, the lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram. Actually, they gave you handouts on that. They required you as something you should learn. Mm -hmm. I had a problem with, to me, there was a lot of Hebrew mysticism encoded because when you're banishing, you're, you're invoking the archangels. And, and, and after doing it, I said to myself, this feels very religious in nature to me. And after doing it for a, a bit, I just wasn't vibing with it. I felt like it was one of those things where we're kind of trying to play a cult, but it's like we're staying that gray line again. I felt like my spirit needed to go darker or something more intense. I was looking for that hidden and I felt like doing stuff like that was kind of just, it was like a tease, like, okay, we're getting ready to go dark. Oh, oh no. Oh, Raphael and all this bullshit. And I was just like, yeah, I just, nah, I wasn't. I say, I, why I don't really, I'm not knocking anybody that does because there are some left-hand path traditions that teach banishing and that's fine. I don't do it and I'm gonna tell you why. To me, it's not about, you can't banish or destroy energy, you can only manipulate it. And you don't wanna destroy any energy because one, one, you're admitting, if you're banishing something, you're psychologically and subconsciously admitting that there's something inferior that you are to, that's more superior to you that you're technically afraid of. We will say, no, well, banishing is just removing the negative energy. Now my next question is what negative energy? See, a real magician, a real black adept, a real occultist knows how to work with all energy. Whether you classify it as good, bad, right, wrong, or evil, it's about knowing when to access that energy at the right moments in the right time. So what I do, I do something in the, that's very familiar in, in the Egyptian Heka tradition of black magic, casting a hermetic circle. It's different than banishing. Because when you're doing it, you're creating the eight-pointed star of chaos. You invoke the triad of light and darkness. And then as you do it, you go to eight different points as you're creating this circle. What that does is lock in all of that energy and the eight pointed star of chaos represents, one of the reasons why I call my channel Primordial Chaos is because that's the root and power of where all this comes from. Right, yeah. So if you, I use symbolic, and remember the power is in the mind. So when I'm casting that eight pointed star, I'm invoking all of those chaotic energies and I'm locking it into my sacred altar space when I'm doing ritual. So I embrace the chaos. I embrace all of those energies that people are trying to banish because that's where the true power is. 
So that's why I don't believe in banishing. Again, I don't knock gotcha. somebody that does. Okay. Somebody might have a whole difference of opinion on that and go, no. And I understand why people do it. But to me, yeah. you're admitting there is some energy out there, spirit force or power that you're afraid of, that you feel like you're inferior to. And I think you defeat yourself as a magician when you do that. So I don't believe in any of that stuff. It's interesting because like uh, I've heard of some uh, some left-hand path magicians, they do like a, a form of banishing, but they use, well, I've met somebody at the OTO years ago that does it with um, like Shumyaza in one direction, Azazel in one direction, like, you know, those angels, the fallen ones. Right. Um, I've heard of some using like uh, Leviathan and well, Oh, yeah. And, and I can tell you this in the Temple yeah. of the Ascending Flame, like, yes. and that's more invoking. That's you're not banishing, you're bringing power. Like, for an example, there's a basic uh, draconian opening that you will open your rituals or your temple space with where you'll you'll start in the West with Hakate. You vibrate the name Hakate. Then you'll turn to the South and you'll vibrate the name Sotuk or Set. Then you'll turn to the East and you'll vibrate the name Lucifer. Then you'll turn to the North and you'll vibrate the name Bilal. And then you'll, now you close your circle, you gotta seal it and close it. So you're drawing in energy, you're not banishing. Same thing you do with the Hermetic. Then you go to the top and swipe up and you invoke Lilith. And then you come below and you evoke Arachne. And that's closing. And so you're inviting those. These are chaotic energies that are represented by these archetypes. So you're going to the four corners and then you're sealing the above and the below. So that practice is very similar to what you described. That, um, that, that I'm, I, I support that as far as I think that is a powerful practice. But you're not banishing anything. You're actually summoning forth and calling forth those energies and you're sealing your space, your private ritual space, your ritual chamber where you're doing this work. Yeah. That's not banishing. It's totally the opposite. But I'm I'm all for that type of practice personally. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, right on. And and the one that you use also is the uh what was it again for, for listeners, the Egyptian one? Uh, casting the Hermetic Circle. Casting the Hermetic Circle. Uh, a good book I would recommend for that. Um, there's two good books. Um one, uh, Michael W. Ford reproduced in its entirety the works of Charles Pace, who considered himself a high priest of Set or Seth. Uh, he believed um, he had a path that he labeled Sethne and magic, which is a lot centered around the deity Set, as you know, like that's one of the masks or adversaries of the Prince of Darkness or Satan or Lucifer. And um, the book is called Necrominion, not Necronomicon. People get it confused. Necrominion. And in that book in its entirety, there's two forms of it. There's a short form of casting the Hermetic Circle in there that can be used. It's a very simple form, a quicker form. And then there's a more detailed form. He has the long form in there. That would be a good book if somebody is interested in learning that. Um, again, Michael W. Ford is the author, but it's not his work. So if you read the introduction, he explains. By the way, most people don't know, Charles Pace had a strong connection to uh, a lot of iconic band, bands like Led Zeppelin. Uh, they were heavily influenced, um, other groups uh, that I can't recall. And he's one of those uh, cultists. You don't find a lot of information out there on him when you Google him. He's very mysterious. And I'm not trying to create a spooky mystique about him. I just think it was like that because... When you read his work, and again, it's all centered around the practice of Egyptian Heka, which is a darker form of Egyptian magic. It would be considered black magic from the ancient Egyptian path. 
Um, and really that's what ancient Egyptian practice was. It was, you know, uh, uh, when you read the coming forth by day, it was a book of spells. It was ritualistic. It was magic. That's what the word Heka is. It's, it's, and it's all encoded in the coming forth by day of the book of dead. And I'm big on that. Um, that's one, a strong path that I practice heavily. Uh, and that taught me a lot about the other side of Egypt when I thought I knew everything about Egypt back in the days. Um, so yeah, powerful path. I would definitely encourage people to look into that if they're interested, a very powerful path. Nice. Yeah. That's something that, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know anything about Hecka to be honest. Uh, I, you know, like, I mean, I've, I've obviously I've heard a lot about, you know, Kemet, Medic and all that, yep. like a lot of, you know, Egyptian, Egyptian iconography is very, very popular, probably like the most popular thing, though. But um, one, one thing that you don't hear a lot of, or at least I don't I don't really hear a lot of is about the dark magic part of it. As, oh, yeah. Even though oh, Seth's yeah. popular, you know, like Seth's very, very popular, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's all centered around that. It works with. Mm -hmm. uh, but the beauty about it is it's centered around six deities that everything branches out from them. It, it covers every. Egyptian deity, but so just so we're clear, and, and this is good that we're kind of we're kind of jumping around. It's good. Um, the triad of darkness would represent three chief deities in ancient Egypt. It would be Set, Ampu or Anubis, some know him as Anubis, and Sekhmet. That would be the triad of darkness. They represent the more darker side of sorcery and magic in Egypt. You'll understand that when you study and, and learn about them. And then there's the triad of light, which represents the more popular deities that people are very familiar with also. Uh, and that would be representative of Horus or Heru, mm -hmm. Osiris or, or Usir, and Aset or Isis. So in that path, the Egyptian learns you need light and darkness in the right formula for yourself to create harmony. So people under this a real left-hand path, we do work with lighter energies. A lot of those lighter energies People think we don't mess with that. We just don't take that on as the foundational, whereas some of those right-hand path systems go super fluffy and everything is light and love. See, the difference of what we do is we understand its root is in the darkness. You must start there first. But you must also work with some of those lighter energies so you can obtain that personal level of harmony. So the whole path is how the Black Adept learns to bridge light and darkness in an internal level. And what deity or archetype represents that, that's Lucifer. In this case, on this pantheon, that mask is Set. Cause Set is the deity that can make order out of your personal chaos. Cause now when you read the story of Set and his fight with the Pep, what that symbolically represents, he was the only one that was able to keep a Pep at bay. Whereas his father Ra was trying to kill and destroy a Pep and he couldn't do it. So what's the story there? The story there is to learn one, chaos will always manifest in some shape, form, or fashion. Problems will always come. Yeah. It's just about you taking charge of them and making order out of this. That's all, that's all set represents that aspect on this path. Making order out of your chaos. Can you do that? Are you willing to do that? In order to do that, you must become like set. What do I mean by that? Set didn't get, when you read the stories of set, why he's considered to be and a very adversarial devil type of figure, how, how people have religiousized him is because he basically didn't give a shit. He said, no, I'm gonna do this my way. Even when you read the story of Set, he couldn't even, be, he couldn't even wait to be birthed into the universe. He ripped himself from the womb of his mother, yeah. Nut. Mm -hmm. right? What is that? That represents nonconformity. 
not conforming to con, con, you know, conditional ways of thinking. And when you go back to the story, he refused when they were establishing in the 21st and 22nd dynasties in Egypt, they were trying to establish this form almost of monotheism, the Setian cult where people who followed the deity and that's why they were broken into gnomes and triads and all that. They just said, no, you guys do your own thing. We're going to do our thing. And that's when the whole role of Set was reversed in ancient Egyptian history. And he became this demonic figure that people make him out to be today. And it's very religious. And most people don't know when you study your Egyptian history, the role that Osiris or Usir has in the underworld, that was Set's role prior to the 21st dynasty. You just got to go back and look at it. He was the one that assisted Anubu or Anubis guiding the soul through the underworld. It wasn't Osiris. People keep forgetting that shit. And you uncover this. There's a lot of great hidden Gnosis in Egyptian mysteries when you really study it and you understand it. It really... I can't describe how much that's done for me in the last 12 to 15 years. Uh, I've encouraged people to look into that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because said is like the opposite of the um, slave God, if I can say slave God. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. Total opposite. The God that um, I don't know. I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine earlier and we we're talking about talking about Job and the Bible. Mm -hmm. How, One of my favorite stories. It's one of my favorite stories too, you know, like yeah, like God like kind of not making a deal with with the devil, but um it's like, yeah, go ahead and test him because he believes in me. He's 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 subservient to me. So yeah, do whatever you want. To. <laughs> it's like, why'd you put this poor guy out there to be tormented like that? <laughs> but the, the key is when you read yeah. in Job chapter two, the key is the very beginning of that story. And I always question Christian. Uh, I've had arguments with pastors, priests, yeah. scholars on this. And, and the thing that always caught my attention in that story was it says, and the sons of God, they were having this meeting and it says, and Satan came amongst them. And this is where the problem I had. And then what's the next question? God asked Satan, where, where comest thou from? What? Wait a minute. You're the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator of the universe. And you're asking this character that you so-called created, according to theology. He says, where are you coming from? And Satan answered, from walking to and fro in the earth and up and down in it. Mm -hmm. So now we have to question ourselves, what kind of God, what God, because when you really read it, if you, again, if you go look, do the research in the words, there's many gods in the Bible, not just one. All you got to do is just go look for yeah. an example in Genesis chapter two. Right. Anytime you see the word Elohim, that's plurable for a multiple group of people. Right. And when you see the word El Elo, which means the source, that's when it's referring to as this singular or, or mono or, or, or one God. So my question I always brought up in that story was what who was who are these sons of God? I thought that title was exclusive to Jesus only. So now we have plural sons of God and we have a God that one doesn't know where Satan came from, had to ask him, keep that in mind. And then we also, if we go back earlier in these books, we also have multiple stories like in the Garden of Eden. When Now, let me, let me show the fuckery in this mindset bullshit, right? Check this out. If I placed uh, a bowl of candy on a table in a room with children, right? Let me show you. Let me show you how the mental fuckery that they run on us with this stuff. And I said, and there was a bunch of children in the room. I said, listen, children. I'm getting ready to leave. You can play with anything in this room, but do me a favor. Don't touch that dish in the center of the, on the table there. What do you think the first thing them kids are going to do? They're going to go touch it. 
Well, fuck with that I, dish. Thank I you. would. You know, I mean, like anybody would. <laughs> Check it out. So now go to the Garden of Eden story real quick. I'm going to break this down as simple as I can. God gave them all this beautiful stuff. Yeah, look at the, you know, the way they religious people describe it like it was this paradise. He says, but you know what? You can fuck with everything in here, but don't eat the apple off of that tree right there. This is so fucking stupid. And then we know what happens. And by the way, the serpent didn't lie. He told the truth because they were told if they ate it, that they would die. They didn't. He told them, if you eat it, you will become like one of the gods, knowing right from wrong, good from bad. Because when they ate it, they were aware now. And then the story gets even more bizarre. He disappears. God must have went, took a break somewhere, comes back, and he's walking in the garden in the cool of day. So God is affected by temperature, and he has legs, and he's walking. So I don't know what this is talking about. This does makes no sense. But that's not even what the intriguing part is. He's asking. He's calling for Adam and Eve. You don't know where they're at. Again, you cannot be omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent and asking, where are thou? So what the question is, what God are we talking about? Or gods? You mentioned in the Philium. There's a connection with all that there. And you have to go back. I always encourage people, the Blue Online Study Bible, it's a free source. Pull it up. When you want, if you want a breakdown for breakdown word in Hebrew, you will get the understanding of a lot of this stuff and see, my God, that's what this really means. Manosa said, my God, my God, not my God. You'll see the meaning of this stuff. And, and this is how you can, for those that really want to seek true knowledge on this path and are willing to go this route, you'll see that you got to put these things into question. But the, the, the stories are just kindergarten in nature, comical. Mm-hmm. And that's why I use the metaphor with the candy in the room with kids. Of course, right, the kids right. are going to go over there and fuck with it. Come on, man. It's common sense. Yeah, it's, but, yeah. it's, it's just going to happen like that. Yeah, um, the Bible is a very intriguing book, uh, the book of Genesis and stuff, you know, like another one um, that intrigues me too. Yeah, um, like before I get to this point, we were talking about when he was walking and he was, <laughs> he was, he was looking for Adam. Yeah, like, Adam, Adam where are thou? Like, I, where are thou? I haven't seen you in 24 hours now. Remember, remember brother, God God is a British. He's, he's got a British accent. Always remember <laughs> that. Where art thou? Where art thou? You I know, Moses, you know, all that shit. Right. <laughs> But another one, uh, another story that I really, really like is that I've, I've always found really interesting is a, the Tower of Babel. I, like, that's another one. Ah, yes. The Tower of Babel is yeah. a great story. Um, human being, you know, like, uh, what did the Elohim say? They said, like, if they build this tower, nothing will be impossible for them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, mm-hmm. and he or they destroyed the tower. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I'm assuming that you probably have asked some Christians uh, before, like, who was God talking to? And he says, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and the story goes, that's Genesis chapter 11. And it says, and God, when they were building this tower and it was getting too high. And again, I'm just quoting the, the religious theologian story. So keep that in mind. I'm not promoting this as fact. I'm speaking from a perspective. If we're going to look at it. We got to look at it if you were talking to a religious person. So. As this tower, according to the story, was being built high, God was feeling threatened. And he said, let us go down there and confound their language. And this is why you hear, what do, what do people say? Again, pay, pay attention to the phonetic of the words. What do they say when you're speaking gibberish? Oh, you're babbling, right? You hear that term? Oh, you're babbling. You're speaking babble, right? Because it tells you when you go back and you read that story, when, they, when, the, when he came down, it says the languages were confounded and the people couldn't communicate with each other and they couldn't finish building uh, this tower, right? 
Again, here's God at play with more tricks. Why is God fighting these or feel threatened by these mortals if this God or gods don't have similar mortal-like qualities? Because there's a lot of human things connected to God. He's a jealous God, right? He says that. Have no gods before me. I am a jealous God. Wait a minute. How can God be? We're jealous. We, we're humans. We have those emotions. So that's like, I always liken this, that's like Muhammad Ali when he was the greatest boxer, always had to make the, de de uh, the declaration, I am the greatest. Why is he saying that? Because there's other boxers out there that were competing for yeah. that. Yeah, he was. So this Bible God always got to profess, I am the Lord thy God, have no other gods, but I am the greatest God. If you do this, you will be persecuted, blah, blah, blah. There's always this, follow me. If you do, you're good. If not, I will crush and fucking destroy you, right? He always goes to these magic tricks and antics and, and the Tower of Babel is, is, is one of them, right? This is where we get the word Babylon from, right? It's the same thing, phonetics of these words, because Babylon was considered the land of confusion from biblical standpoint. It was considered a place of confusion. So from that point out, now here's the bigger, deeper question of that whole story. If God controlled and created everything and everybody, why did he have to go to the point, and this, this is where it gets deep, he has to go to the point to create confusion amongst people. Couldn't he just snap his fingers and just not even let the, them even attempt to build a tower? So it also shows he doesn't have control of everything. It also shows that there are two forces at play here when you really look at it. Mm -hmm. And when you say Yah and Wei earlier, the Yah Wings, Yah and Wei, Tob and Ra, good and disagreeable forces. Mm -hmm. Right. As that play, there's this war between following this God. And then anytime there was, even when you look at the Israelites, they branched off and worse as any other deities. There was this struggle. And then, you know, they were cursed and they were tortured and peasant and all this other crazy shit would happen to them if they branched off and worshiped Baal. My whole thing is, why did God even allow Baal to exist? Because then these people wouldn't have branched off and disobeyed and all this punishment wouldn't have taken place. Why does God allow these things to happen? Nobody questions that. Say, well, see, brother, you just don't understand. God works in mysterious ways. Just say you don't fucking know. I can accept that. <laughs> That's all. And we can just call it a day. No, it's. I'm saying all this to say people might be listening and going, what the fuck is your point? My point is that's the whole thing. There is no fucking point. It's a waste of time. Yeah. It's a system of indoctrination, mental slavery, and mind control. That's what that whole book and religion is based on. And it controls your emotions through fear. And as long as they can control your emotions through fear, they can pretty much tell you to do anything, whether you're conscious of it or not. That's my whole point. I mean, basically, I mean, because like we're talking, we're talking about um, it's translated itself into politics into you know, the, you know what I mean? Like religion, like having uh, the emperors and this, like it's, I mean, to the point now to where if a person is kind and giving, let's just say somebody gives to the poor now, you know, I've heard politicians say, oh, the so-and-so has good Christian values because like they give to the needy. I mean, giving, giving something to the poor isn't Christian. It's not Muslim. It's not anything. It's just what it is. It doesn't have like, it doesn't have to have like a label on it like that, you know, but. Good, good not, Christian values. Good Christian yeah, values. How many times have we heard that? Let me let, let, let's let's address that real fast because mm -hmm. people don't realize that our Christians that was a term of insult. If you go back and do your research, what am I talking about? Ask a Christian, did Christ call himself a Christian at any point? They would have to say no. 
Ask the ask a Christian, is the word Christian in the Bible? Most of them will say yes. Some will say they don't know. It's only mentioned in the Bible one time in the English translation. You can only find it one time in its entirety. 1126. Correct. You got it. And it was it was a term of mockery. Mm -hmm. So according again, I'm saying this according to religious theology. I'm not passing this on as fact. According to religious theology, after Christ was crucified and gone and then supposedly ascended up. And I don't even want to get into that crucifixion story, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but the whole, the whole point was when they were in Antioch in Syria, the people in Antioch would use that as a mockery, like, oh, those are those Christians or Christites. And it was a mockery term. Mm-hmm. So Christ never referred to himself as a Christian. They took this term upon themselves. And now it branches out by, I've always said, what did Christ refer to himself as? And the funny thing is when you go into Matthew chapter five, he says, beware of those who come in my name saying I am Christ. Mm-hmm. So I always ask a Christian, what does that quote mean? Oh, they give me their interpretation on it. I said, but what do you guys call yourself? Christians, what do you refer to him as Christ? He said, beware of those who come in my name saying I am Christ. See, they'll tell you they're saying, no, that's talking about Somebody that comes saying they're Christ. That's not what he said. Go back and look at it closely. He said, beware of those who come in my name saying I am Christ. That would be a sign of a people who are deceivers. I'm going to tell you this. When you really, if you want to really do some magical work, if you want to look at that whole concept of Jesus, Jesus was very left-hand path in nature when you really look at it. He was a rebel. He's pretty rebellious. He was anti the establishment. He was against everything these Christians are today. Jesus didn't have no respect for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priesthood, because he felt they were all hypocrites, just like all the church leaders are today, the pastors and the priests. It's all about money. It's a money grab. It's a hustle. So now ask yourself, what Jesus are these people really following? Because the one that they promote and turn the other cheek. No, when I read the story, before he was crucified, he said, let's get swords. He was ready to fight. I don't know where they get this, this concept from, but it's yeah, Jesus was good. Yeah, he was a left. I did a video back. Man, you don't even want to know the emails I got. A couple of years ago, I did a video. Was <laughs> the Luciferian was Jesus a left hand path yeah. magician? Or some I've, shit I've like seen that. that video. I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. man. You don't even know the emails I got. <laughs> really? Like, I like that. Entertaining. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, so. yeah. You're you're like you're like Jesus was pretty Luciferian actually. You know, like a he was by nature, big time. <laughs> when you read the story, if you really look at it and just strip away all that, see. Because most Christians follow the books and teachings of Paul. They don't really follow the teachings of Jesus. That's true. Yeah. Paul made it like oh, law. Yeah. He, he made a- it this, right? He can't, oh, 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 Jesus came for everybody. That's not what it says in Matthew. It says he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel only, which was Judah. How do you know that? You go into the second book of Kings, chapter 17, verses 16 and 17. It said all of Israel was destroyed, ex- destroyed except for Judah only. And they would make their remnant later. This is who Christ only came to. So I always argue with them. His mission wasn't to save the world. It was His mission was to come to the lost sheep of Israel, his tribe, which was Judah. Paul comes later with this universal teaching. He claims that he had this vision on the road to Damascus, which contradicts all three times he tells the story, by the way. Um, and that's where we get this modern day Western philosophy of Christianity. This is where we're at. And if you go over to places in the East, like the Coptic Christians, and you go over to Orthodox churches in the East, it's not the same. If you really do your research, the totally way they practice, big difference, big difference. So yeah, yeah, we could be talking about that shit all night. Though. That's all yeah. good. 
I'm looking forward to getting some emails about this episode. <laughs> I'm sure you're. I'm like, you're gonna be like, who's that fucking crazy guy you had on it? Facebook crazy. messages too, man. Blasphemy. You have That's blasphemed. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I take think- that as Oh, go ahead. I take that as compliments. That's all good. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So, like, another thing I wanted to kind of dive into, man, like, while we still have some time, too, is uh, I'm interested because I'm interested in this is like a completely different topic, but it may like connect with some of these other topics. Is uh, sure. I'm not trying to get in get into any like conscious fluff bullshit stuff, but um, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on melanin, the sun, uh-huh. energy, like? Stuff like that, you know, like like good. I mean, I feel like the I feel like YouTube lacks really good content when it comes to that kind of information, you know. Right. And the reason I'm asking before you explain this, guys, like uh, I'm a Qigong practitioner, you know, breathing exercises and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And uh, there definitely is a correlation between um, uh, like solar energy, the energy of like the sun and melanin. I'm not saying this in any kind of superiority kind of bullshit either, you know, nothing like that. No, no, no. You're 100 dead on. No, no, no. Go ahead. But but that yeah but I just wanted to throw that out there, you know. Mm-hmm. No, so let me break let me let me break okay. let me break that down. And what I'm about to say isn't racism. I want to be clear, because mm-hmm. uh, I come from those conscious movements, uh, and my ethnicity is mixed from a couple of different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I come from those movements. I'm, I mean, uh, so what I'm about to say, I don't want nobody to get offended or or take it as anything racial, because you touched on a lot of factual points. First, I want to say qigong and and tai chi are very good practices. Mm-hmm. And it's something you'll be surprised. A lot of people who are on spiritual paths, it's highly recommended on the occult and left-hand path. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation is something I'm huge on. Uh, and, and a lot of people that are on this path, meditation and visualization practices are super important. They transition into your ritual and your spiritual work. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of Qigong practitioners and Tai Chi practitioners um, and, and, and there's many people from not just this uh, cult slash left-hand path, there's people from all different backgrounds that practice it, even you know, Christians, Muslims. I mean, yeah. it's a very good universal practice. It is a very powerful thing if you understand it. So I want to say that a great book to understand what you're saying. And I feel because he connects a lot of science to it. I've had him on my show a few times. Uh, I'm actually going to be having him on again soon on my YouTube channel is Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum, his book, Dark Light Consciousness. He is, to me, in my opinion, um, because he's traveled the world, he's initiated in a lot of uh, 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 left-hand path as far as from the uh, Vama Marga and Tantric, ancient Dravidian or Hindu traditions. Uh, He's been initiated in Ifa. Um, He is a clinical uh, psychologist slash doctor at Boston University. Um, Many people who know him know his background. He's a very intelligent, professional guy. Um, and I've learned a lot from his, he's got several books out, but one I would recommend dark light consciousness by Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum. Now he breaks down, we have to understand with melanin, there's neuromelanin and neuromelanin. We have to understand that. What are, what are the two for those that may not know? What are you talking about? And it doesn't matter if you're white, black, Asian, Latino, we all have it to certain degrees. We just need to understand how it works and how it's connected to consciousness and factually, uh, the more that th- there are certain aspects where some people who understand these practices, as you said in the beginning, there is a deeper connection for some than others. And it's just fact. So let me give you an example. Um, first, noromelanin is the melanin that is encoded in every aspect of your body internally, your, your central nervous system, your organs, your kidneys. 
in Dr. Edward Bruce Bonner's book, he shows how it forms on the stem of your brain. He, he refers to it as the highway or pathways to higher states of consciousness. Now, people like Dr. Sabi were trying to connect that to carbon element, where Dr. Sabi said carbon element connected to your melanin, right? Which there was some truth to that. I do agree to it to a degree, but I think the missing element he was lacking is what Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum has in his book, how he took it a further and how he says it's, it's formed and created in the, in the cerebellum area of your brain. And when it's activated, it, it's, it's encoded in every aspect of our body. That's the neuromelanin, right? Now, what's neuromelanin? That's the external pigmentation that we all have from varying degrees of very pale, maybe to high yellow, to brown skin, to very dark, to even blue-black. True Africans are blue-black. Now, here's the deep thing people don't understand about melanin, because we've been programmed wrong. Mm -hmm. The darker you are, the more sun you need. The lighter you are, the less sun. You go, what the hell are you talking about? That's crazy. And I would also refer people to Dr. Jewel Pukram, who I had on my old podcast show back in early 2013 and 14. I did a whole show with her on melanin uh, that you can find on uh, talkshoe.com. I, that, that podcast is not active no more, but all the episodes are still archived. And she broke something down and, and she showed how when you have darker uh, neuromelanin, mm -hmm. your body devours and absorbs more melanin where you need to, need to replenish it more. So darker skinned people need to be in the sun more. And what can damage that melanin, especially if you have a very darker exterior pigmentation of, of neuromelanin, eating processed artificial foods, a lot of heavy meats. It doesn't mean you can't eat meat because I want to get into that whole vegan thing. But what happens is it can create damage to the proper functioning of that melanin. Synthetics, she broke down on there how a lot of prescription drugs and synthetics damage that process. And here's the funny thing. Most dark, darker skin melanated people try to avoid the sun. They hate the sun. Think about this for a minute. One thing that bugged me out, I was born and raised in New York. And when I came down here to South Florida, uh, you know, several years back, I noticed down here, like how melanated people hate the sun. Most of them, they can't stand being out in the sun. So she explained how, because they're being so more darker pigmented, their body fuels and needs more melanin to function correctly and how this connects with internally. Whereas a fair skinned person, as you know, if they stay out in the sun too long, they can get sunburned. So it take, it's easier for them to recharge because they're not, they're not absorbing as much melanin because the exterior, the exterior pigmentation is not as dark. This is why, uh, let's say, Europeans or maybe even people of Latino descent, Asians, or people that have a lighter pigmentation, this is why the sun can burn them and attack them because they stay out in it too long and they're over-intaking. Because remember, vitamin D is key to understanding melanin. And the, best, the greatest source of vitamin D is the sun. And by the way, there's a science with that when understanding this coronavirus. Because remember when we were all, and I want to get to the corona thing, but remember when we were all on lockdown, mm -hmm. right? They weren't, they were telling people basically stay locked down, knowing that anything that boosts the immune system is one of the best defense mechanisms against coronavirus. Right. And vitamin D was the key. Because one thing they found with most people that became severely ill or do become severely ill with the coronavirus their levels of vitamin D are super low and deficient. Mm -hmm. And they're not telling people this in the public. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to give medical advice. I want to make that clear. 
All I would suggest, one of the best ways to protect yourself of what's going on out here, whether you believe it's a conspiracy or not, something's going on, just take care of your immune system to the best of your ability. So this, the, me the melanin thing, you're, you're dead on. We do need to understand that. There is a connection to this. The problem is, though, in some conscious movements, it's promoted as is, if I'm more darker skinned, then I'm more superior to you. That's not true. Because Dr. Edward Bruce Biden broke it down. We all have the capacity to connect to the power of this melanin, regardless if we're Asian, Latino, Black, whatever, because it starts internally first. You must understand how the neuromelanin works and how that's in connection in relation to your, to your um, uh, neuromelanin. Now, here's the thing I found. People say, well, you know, if you're darkest, I, like, I'm a big time, I play drums. I play congas, I play djembes, djembe, all that. And I've found out, I've watched, it's not true. People think, oh, because this person's dark skin and has, uh, you know, woolly head, that automatically means they got soul. I've watched, I've watched some of the darkest of dark skin brothers get on the drums and they can't play the drums for shit. And then I watched lighter skin brothers and Latinos. Where does that natural rhythm come from amongst the Afro-Caribbean Latinos or Latinos in general? Where does that, because they're connected to the power of that melanin. Regardless, see, I always say this, and this is not racist. You have to also understand this. And this is going to probably maybe not, you know, rub people the wrong way. There's only three classifications of races on the whole entire planet. That's it. You're either Caucasoid, Mongoloid, or Negroid. Science, this is just science. Now, most Latinos, there's no such race as Puerto Rican or Dominican. Mm -hmm. Those were names given by the colonizers. Puerto Rico means rich port. The colonizers or the slave masters gave it that name. They placed people on that island and called it Puerto Rico. But you got people walking around today who call themselves Puerto Ricans and they think, I asked them, what's your race? No, Puerto Ricans, your ethnicity. Yeah, it's people get that mixed up all the time. <laughs> time. Yeah, especially Jamaica. in Latin America, I see that a lot, you know, but I guess it could be in, in like, like right. Af Africa too, and places like places with like a lot of different groups, subgroups and stuff that happens. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but let me show you how the melanin and the genetic tree is a funny thing. You can find Cubans or Puerto Ricans, Dominicans that can look the whitest of white and look European. And then you can find some who are dark skinned and can pass for straight up Africans. Yeah. So, yeah. the, so the question is, what is your race? You're not mongoloid and you're not fully caucasoid. So you would be a combination of negroid and maybe you have some other mixture in your genes. That's your, your mixed stock. Mongoloids would be like your, your Asians and your Native Americans because they're a combination of all three. And then your original negroids, which not even people here. You got to remember, most people here, African-Americans in the Western Hemisphere in the United States, they're fourth generation Protestant. Nobody here in America is a full African by blood. Because if you trace your genealogy, I, people get so surprised when they do these genealogies to whether how authentic you believe it is or not. Mm -hmm. People find out. I mean, I've I've known a lot of a lot of friends over the years that are, you know, are dark-skinned melanated brothers, and they find out a lot of the European ancestry when they do their research. We're a mixed stock here in America. If you, done, all you gotta I've, do is I've done that too. I I, I looked at mine, I was like uh iberian peninsula yeah portugal yeah but it made sense to me like i was tra i was tracing like a lot of different i was like oh well it's all these different portuguese speaking african nations and then hello north african was in it like a lot a whole lot oh, yeah really surprised oh, yeah. by that you know oh yeah uh and and again i just want to yeah. for the listeners i, I want to make this clear and i and i make this you know i make this openly and i declare this on all my platforms 
Mm-hmm. You do not have to be any race. I get emails from people that are, uh, I get rate, I get emails from a lot of, uh, young white European males. Can I, can I participate on this path? Can I be part of uh, some of the things you do? Why would you ask that? That's foolishness. Of course you can. I get people who are bisexual or gay and feel like they need permission to practice on this path. So let me put this disclaimer out there. I do not promote any separation, hate, or racism. I don't care what your ethnicity is. You can be black, white, Asian, uh, Latino. If you're willing to apply yourself, you're, anybody's welcome on this path. And, and your sexuality is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with anything. That's your personal business. I don't care what goes on in your bedroom. That's your own personal business. There's no, and that's what pisses a lot of fundamentalists and mainstream religious people. Oh, because they're either anti-gay or this group is, is this promotes this dominant race. That's your personal preference. But what we're talking about here, and I don't want nobody to, to think it's racist. It's just scientific fact. There is a connection to this. Um, look, it, we'd be foolish to sit here and even try to, to, to sit and debate. If you don't understand that Africa was the first civilization, you're foolish. I'm not even going to waste my time discussing that. That just means that's somebody who's in denial and maybe they're not feeling connected to it for whatever reason. I don't even debate stupid shit like that no more. I don't think we even need to have discussions in 2021. We know who the first people on this planet were. All you got to do is do the scientific research. So let's, and it doesn't mean, oh, that, because then there's some people that run with it. Oh, that means I'm better than, no, fuck all that. Because that, that's a bunch of bullshit too. But yeah. let's, history is history and facts are facts. It is what it is. So yeah, there is a connection uh, to the whole melanin thing. Um, there is a connection to that, to consciousness. Um, because that neural melanin, as Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum describes in his book, he refers to it as the bridge and the highway to higher states of consciousness. And how is that neural melanin activated from a spiritual perspective? Your diet is very important. Mm-hmm. If you're intaking a lot of artificial and things, uh, uh, a lot, a lot of uh, processed and pres- your diet. So watch that. Look, we're living in daytime. Don't get fanatical with it. Don't mean you can't eat a cupcake here and there. It just means your diet shouldn't consist of all that stuff 24-7. Exercise. Exercise is very important. I can't stress that enough. Uh, you should be doing regular exercise a week. Uh, the information and the spiritual stuff you take in affects how this is all activated. So there's a multi-layered aspect to activating this and make sure it's functioning correct. Because if that neural melanin ain't functioning correct, it also connects to the pineal now. Because people talk about calcification of the pineal gland. Well, all those things I just mentioned, stress diet, lack of exercise, um, not having your emotions in check as far as how you reciprocate and control them. Um, all these things connect into activating this melanin, meditation practices. Uh, again, getting the right balance of sun and you know oxygen. I mean, there's a science to this shit. People don't want to take the time to learn it. And this is why you'll see some people who are more, uh, you know, their psyche is more awake and more in tune is because they understand the full spectrum of these things. And one of the things that really assists with is what you said earlier, Qigong, Tai Chi, it really awakens those spiritual centers inside the body. If some, if, if an individual, and again, you could probably elaborate more on that than I could, because I, by all means, I'm, I'm not a Qigong master. I don't know about it like that. I know, I know some about it, but I'm using that as other example of practices that help 
uh, activate this because people always talk about, oh, my pineal. I laugh because everybody thinks their pineal gland and their, ch- and their crown chakra is open. It's, it's comical to me. Um, and, and most people ain't even rooted in their, their, their root chakra or grounded in their root chakra, but their pineal is open. But anyway, but yeah, it was a good, good question, but there is a connection to it. Facts. Yeah. That's yeah, facts. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate you elaborating on that though. You know, yeah. It's just something because, um, I wanted to, you know, in this channel, just kind of experimental with some topics and stuff. And, um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I rarely hear, uh, good info online about it, to be quite honest. It's either melanin's a polymer substance that just gives pigmentation and people forget about the, the neural melanin or correct. they try to make, um, you know, they kind of spiritualize it, but they spiritualize it with something that's just not true, you know, and that yes. can be this, and that can be just like the deceitful as well. You know, like I, I remember uh, Dr. Delbert Blair had some pretty good points on, 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 on it a little bit with like when it came to like yeah. nutrition and oh, yeah. like getting things vibrated so that that was like i have to say that was probably one of the last sources for me that i would hear but mm-hmm. you just you just listed a couple that i'm going to check out and stuff that's yeah like, and, you know. and you mentioned another now again i've mentioned before i was i was fortunate to have a relationship with dr delbert blair uh, mm-hmm. especially in the last year he was alive i had him on my show a couple of times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um had some interesting private conversations with him some who may may not know one thing about Dr. Devil Blair that intrigued me. He was a huge hockey fan, huge St. Louis Blues fan, like you. And we, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, a huge I'm hockey a huge fan, fan, yeah. And we used to talk a lot of hockey. And now, again, you know, he in certain areas, as some people, you know, he was very into the extraterrestrial thing. He believed he was an abductee. I do believe something happened to him. Can I co-sign on everything? Obviously not. Um, but he is confident and hundred percent certain he had an experience. Cool. Um, but in topics like you're talking about, um, I would definitely recommend checking him out as a source. You could pull up a lot of his videos on yeah. YouTube. Um, I had a lot of respect for the man and we used to have some interesting conversations. We didn't see eye to eye on everything, mm-hmm. uh, but I learned a lot from him. And here's the thing people didn't know about Dr. Delbert Player. He knew some dark sorcery shit. He knew some 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 of that. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised, man. Yeah. One thing he I learned some things from him about mirror magic. Really working? Oh yeah, working with mirrors and blew me away because though he didn't really talk about a lot of those practices yeah. in his open lectures, mm-hmm. um, but I can tell you this. Long story short, one thing I could say about Dr. Delbert Blair, which you know or may not know about him. I can say this for sure, not in its entirety. The man was definitely connected to something. Yeah. I know that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I, and just just based on what he knew, how he presented it, and just being in his presence and the energy that the man carried, you just knew he was connected to something. So, yeah, yeah, huh? Yeah, it's like it's like a lot of those like old school. I call them. I mean, it's like not that YouTube's old school yet. I mean, maybe it is, but it's <laughs> Not for guys like us, but <laughs> but but uh, I was gonna say like um like uh yeah you don't really see too many too many cats like him anymore on YouTube that much you know like uh I mean Bobby Hemmett was on there and uh he had he would have like would you consider him left hand path he 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 had no, he absolutely not no 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 absolutely not and I'll clarify that when you do okay I'll stop you. yeah absolutely not. <laughs> And I'll, I'll clarify. Um, yeah. Well, real quick. Yeah, yeah. What people may or may not know 
Dr. Phil Valentine and Bobby Hammett oh, were highly influenced by Dr. Delwood Blair, especially Phil Valentine, who I've okay. also interviewed on my old podcast a couple of times. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, and and the thing the thing about that is, I just in my opinion, and there's others that feel very similar. I don't think Dr. Delwood Blair got his due. And by the way, Dr. York of the Nuwapian stole a lot of information from Dr. Delwood Blair. Uh, a lot of information, especially about reptilians and Meldekians okay. and extraterrestrials. Because even before York came on the scene, he got heavy into that in the early 90s. Dr. Blair was talking, I mean, he was talking about that back in the 70s and 80s, way before right. York was. Yeah. And he mentioned uh, Blair many a times in some of his uh, private lectures because I was in that movement for a while. That's a whole nother story. The lobbying? But my whole, oh yeah, I was in that okay, movement okay. for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was uh yeah, that's a whole nother story. That's a show in itself. <laughs> it's another one, yeah. Get, I don't even want to get into that right now. <laughs> um, but my whole point was I don't feel Dr. Delbert Blair got his due respect. Uh I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really happy with when he went out. It's like he's almost a memory now. I don't think um when I say he didn't get his due respect, mm -hmm. it's like he was the pioneer for a lot of these guys. And uh, I mean, I've heard other stories. I want to get into the stories because that's, mm -hmm. you know, gossipy. Yeah. I've heard some stories back in the day with them at, at, at lectures and functions of, of just really some disrespectful shit that went down. And I heard this from Dr. Blair out of his own mouth. Um, but anyway, I don't want to get into that. But as far as Bobby Hammond, I know there's a lot of followers out there and this is not to knock anybody because mm -hmm. uh, I know Bobby Hammond's very sick right now. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, knock Bobby Hammett, people, is not left-hand path. Is he a cult? Yes. Okay, a cult, there's, var there's varying different concepts. A lot of people call themselves a cult. But know there's a difference between a cult and a cult left-hand path. It's two different things. Mm -hmm. Bobby Hammett does not work with, say, what we work with when it comes to, say, draconian magic or Luciferian practices. He is more of an Afrocentric concept of the occult and that's cool no problem with it okay. um but there's a lot of people that nowadays and you can't find anywhere where bobby hemmett said he was left-hand pad mm -hmm. but people after the fact since because of him you know his condition and he hasn't really been on the scene for years you can't mm -hmm. show me anywhere where he referred to himself as left-hand pad mm -hmm. but people say he's left-hand pad and that's what i meant earlier when i said there's a lot of stuff out here being labeled left-hand pad calling themselves a cult and it's not really what you would label or, or title left-hand path because none of them are really doing or working with those things. And then look, and I have respect for Bobby Hammond. So I just want to, I want to make that clear. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I got, I got to call it, I got to call it for what it is. There are a lot of people, I get them. They all, they pop up on my channel. It's like, Oh man, I was watching Bobby Hammond, this and that, or <laughs> I have one, you know, it's just, I, that's cool. Well, yeah, yeah. But, what we do is a little, little bit different. Um, it goes a little like there's one, <laughs> there's one thing I heard Bobby Hammond say in one of his videos. Uh, Owl Ass, who Crowley claims was his holy guardian angel, he said, and you can pull this up it's on YouTube. He said Owl Ass was a black man on a spaceship coming back to Earth to save black people. I'm like, gonna, right, I'm, I'm gonna have to look that up later, man, because I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll give you the lecture. Email me, and I'll give you. You can find it's on YouTube. It's a YouTube mm -hmm. video that I stumbled across, I'll get you the name of the lecture, and I, okay. I stumbled across it back in 2015, 16. Okay. Yes, in the video, he's saying okay. Aloas, who Crowley says was his holy guardian <laughs> angel, yeah, who, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, who revealed to him the book of the law. That's one of the main grimoires or texts in, in the order Templi Orientis. Mm-hmm. He says, Allah, in that, how do you substantiate that claim? That Alawas, again, was a black man who is, as we speak, at the time he was speaking, is right now on a spaceship headed back to Earth to save black people. That's exactly what he said in the I video. See, I can't, that. Wow. Yeah, I can't <laughs> sign up. <laughs> I mean, the reason I was, I was asking if, uh, I haven't watched any Bobby Emmett in like, long time but um the reason i was asking is because when we were talking and we're talking about dr delbert blair my brother turned me on to dr delbert blair i remember and uh, a friend of mine like man this is like back in like 2007 2008 back when myspace was active oh shit yeah yeah the good old days of of social media before it became like fucking tiktok and all that (laughs) yeah (laughs) he sent me a video of bobby Hemet. so the and and the first that was the first video i ever saw him and um i didn't when i when i saw the video i didn't say oh he must be a left-hand path magician but like i was curious because the video i'm talking about was i'm sure you've seen it it was called is jesus the devil yeah 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 Yeah, that that one Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean I mean, Bobby Hammond has a lot of it informational wise. Yeah. He will teach some adversarial information, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But from a, but here's the thing with a lot of these movements, mm-hmm. groups, uh, lectures, where is the ritual work? See, that's the, see, that's the thing that yeah, I've always had yeah. a problem with the years. It's a lot of talking. It's like, that's cool. It's philosophy. A lot of it. Right. But yeah. where is the actual ritual work that you apply? See, none of those people came with any ritual work for you to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying maybe they did privately on the sign with, with select individuals. But see, the problem with a lot of those movements, like you said, it's a lot of talking. It's yeah. just a lot of philosophy. And that's cool. But it, my whole point, I've been saying this for years, what good is all this knowledge and information if you can't apply it in your everyday practice to better and master yourself? Right. right. See, that's where, we, that's where the line of what we do is different from all of that stuff. See, we actually have a practice where I'm showing people without the work, the shit is all relevant. I'm showing people this is about work. People that work with me know if you're like if you're on my Patreon page, part of my mentorship program. Mm -hmm. If you work with me, you know, I'm showing you how to do the work, how to do the techniques. Right. It's not just, oh, come listen to me, do a lecture and, and just gibber on for three, four hours. I don't do that because that's great. I'm sitting there. Oh, shit. I'm getting all this information. But if I leave that lecture or that class and I can't, I didn't come up with any methods, you didn't show me how to apply that, then what's the point? Now I'm just walking right. around, I'm a walking encyclopedia with a, I'm an overbunding fountain of information, but I can't utilize any of it other yeah. than to regurgitate it. I call I call that, I call those kind of those types of armchair occultists. Oh yeah, know, big time. Sit down and just like spit a lot of a lot of information, but um and there's you know, so like, many of them out there. They know everything. A lot. But like, what about, you know, I'm, I'm more interested. I'm sure you, you know, I know you are uh, more interested in growth, you Big know, time, and like actually doing something like, like evolving and whatnot. Yeah. Big that's time. cool, man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I, like, um, yeah, I guess, I guess we can close, man, but I really appreciate you coming on for sure. Sharing, oh, sharing your knowledge, your experience. No doubt. Man, no doubt a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. Uh, I want to have you back again in the future. This is, this is cool. Oh yeah. 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 We'll link up for sure. Uh, and again, just one last time, uh, I just want to plug in uh, yeah, the YouTube page again is Primordial Chaos mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram at Primordial Chaos 9. 
on Facebook at Primordial Chaos. And then the Patreon page is uh, patreon.com forward slash Beniti, B-A-N-I-T-I. Uh, rather than get into it, you can find any classes that I'm doing. I do offer uh, classes you can sign up for, any, any functions, events. That's the best way to just stay, stay posted on any of those social media platforms. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you can, you can, um, stay posted to what I do there. And yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on and, uh, yeah, most definitely. We'll, we'll definitely set something up. Continue. We only scratched the surface, but it was good talk, yeah. man. Good talk. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. So check appreciate him out, it. check Panini out, everybody at, at, um, Primordial Chaos. And thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Peace. Oh, and if anybody, uh, wants to email me. Roderick Z at protonmail.com. Sure, you're going to get some emails. I'm going to get some emails now. All right. <laughs> Take care, everybody.